You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Become a subscriber and support Radical Radio. Call 03-9419-8377 or subscribe online at 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Why am I excited? Well, I had to run to get into the studio on time. And I thought to myself, if I keep this up, I will keel over. But we made it. This is the Anarchist World this week. It's broadcast across Australia, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. My name's Joseph Toscani. I'm hosting today's program. This is the... 46th year of the Anarchist World this week in its various guises. My name's Joseph Toscano. Now, the program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. may take a day or two, but it is podcast. So if you like the program, listen to a podcast. If you don't like the program, tell somebody else. They may like it. They may hate it. At least they'll be looking at things in a different way because that's the whole point of the anarchist world this week. Who's to say that what we're told every day is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? And obviously we need to speak about a significant issue which... um, a lot of people are trying to bury. And that's why the US of A, our primary ally, and I'll talk about that later on, refuses to leash Israeli's junkyard dog. Now, I can assure you, if the Chinese were doing what the Israelis at the behest of the USA is doing in Gaza, or if the Russians were doing it, although they're trying in the Ukraine. The fact is that it would be a different story. It would be a different story. We'd see another coalition of the willing rise from the ashes in order to stop these dastardly deeds. Now, obviously, there's nothing funny about what's happening in Gaza It's an extraordinary situation. And sometimes it's hard just to 
look at the images that are coming through. But the fact is we need to look at those images. We mustn't turn away because the rest of the world is turning away. And I think the Israelis military forces and the Israeli government is beginning to understand that the resistance they are encountering in Gaza, which is basically a prison, about this half the size of Canberra, is much, much, much stronger than they believed they would face. And I think that resistance is so significant because people have had enough. They have had enough of being collectively punished since the State of Israel was created. They've had enough since they were pushed to the edges of the Israeli State. They've had enough. And ultimately, this is not a war. This is a slaughter. I've never called it the Israeli-Hamas war. It's a slaughter. And when you hear the United States government has just released another 13,000, yes, 13,000 high explosive tank shells to the Israeli army and bypassed Congress, you begin to understand the extent, the extent of the resistance. Now, obviously, this is not just about slaughter. This is about humiliation. It's about humiliating people who live in the Gaza Strip. It's about reducing them to a situation like a beaten dog where they will never, never, never think of resisting the occupation. But the fact is the brutality that has been unleashed in Gaza in response, in response to the brutal attack in southern Israel by Hamas. But that brutality, the level of that brutality and the consistency of it is creating a new generation of militants, whether they call themselves Hamas or something else, but a new generation who don't forgive or don't forget. And obviously the Israeli state will continue to live in a state of fear and its nine million citizens will live in that state for generations to come unless they abandon their belief that through brute force, through criminal acts which are perpetrated not by a militant group, but brutal acts which are perpetrated by a state, that somehow it will solve, in inverted commas, the Palestinian problem. Because the Palestinian problem will not go away through brute force. It will not go away through war crimes. It will not go away by destroying hospitals. It won't go away by killing thousands of children.
it won't go away by reducing our people to live in subhuman conditions. I could imagine every animal rights activist in Australia would be jumping up and down if we did the same thing to dogs or cats. But unfortunately, we don't seem to see the same response in terms of governments. Obviously, there are people in this country who go out on the streets, who voice their concerns week in and week out. But we do not see governments. We never see governments take on a more, how shall I put it, a more humane response. It's quite extraordinary. And when you think the US of A, they, the land of the brave and the free, let's not forget that, freedom is their catch cry. What? Freedom to economically exploit the world? But that's a different story. When you have them veto a Security Council resolution to call a ceasefire on humanitarian grounds, not just for the people of Gaza, but the hostages which are still held, the Israeli hostages which are still held in Gaza. And if the Israeli government continues the ferocity of its offence, it's quite likely that every single one of those hostages will perish. And maybe this Israeli citizens should be asking themselves, is this the type of government we want to support? Do we want Israel to be the pariah of the world? Because the difference between 50 years ago and today, the difference between the Vietnam War and today, it's much easier despite, despite uh, the Israelis' um, military dominance to actually get out messages and pictures about what's occurring. Don't expect that to see that on the Australian Guild, the Australian Broadcasting Corporation, and don't expect to see it on the corporate-owned media in this country. And don't even, to some degree, expect to see it on social media. The fact is that the images are now changing the tide of public opinion around the world because this suffering is real and immense. It's not just about the 18,226 that have died or the over 50,000 people that have been wounded in a population of 2.3 million. It's not about the destruction, the carpet bombing of an enclave. It's not just about the humiliation of a people. It's about the response of the Australian media to what's happening in Gaza. And the response has been pitiful and woeful. Most of the stuff, especially in the news items, 
which you come across in the Australian Broadcasting Corporation, are nothing more than Israeli military propaganda. And it doesn't matter how much propaganda there is, the fact is that if we continue as a nation to rebroadcast and rebroadcast and rebroadcast the propaganda which is put out by Israeli military media, that we are complicit. That's right, complicit. It's all very well to say we have a free media, but when you have a media which is hamstrung by individual contracts, by a board which has little interest in promoting the truth, we will find ourselves in this situation. Because ultimately, irrespective of the amount of slaughter which occurs in the Gaza Strip, we're talking about real human beings, real flesh and blood, not just the slaughtered directly from their military intervention, but the slaughter which occurs because of the paucity of food, the paucity of water, the fact that all those people who are on dialysis have now died or are dying, the fact that you can't get medications, if you're an insulin-dependent diabetic, you're going to die, all the collateral, you like that? Collateral damage of this war highlights there is no military solution. And if Mr Biden thinks he's going to be re-elected as a president by pushing this line, he's, mad, he's badly mistaken. Even the Australian government, the US of A's primary ally, is beginning to waver in terms of its a rejection of a humanitarian ceasefire in the Gaza Strip. So, look, I can pontificate for the rest of the day, but it's not going to make much difference unless, as I said last week, you're willing to take up the slack. You need to contact the Australian Broadcasting Corporation via email. Usually they just ignore phone calls about their one-sided portrayal of this slaughter. This is the greatest atrocity the world has faced in the 21st century. It pales, in the rest of what's been happening around the world pales in significance to what's happening in Gaza. Three to four hundred bombing sorties by aircraft a day for two months. Think about it. The wholesale destruction of neighbourhoods. The herding of a people into what are basically pens. Just extraordinary. And the fact that the any moral or ethical superiority the West has or parliamentary democracies think they have has disappeared. Because this is not just about Gaza. It's not about the slaughter which is occurring uh, among 2.3 million people who resisted occupation. This is much, much, much more. This is about our credibility 
as a nation and our credibility as a people. So I implore you, don't turn your eyes away. Irrespective of the horrors that you see. Because the people of Gaza are experiencing those horrors. When you hear the United Nations head talk about apocalyptic scenes, you begin to understand the depth of depravity and carnage that has been caused by a government which says it's acting on behalf of the Israeli people. This is the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Let's move on. You love technology, eh? It's lovely, isn't it? Technology. Swipe your card, get charged 1.5%. On top of your bill, it's just wonderful, isn't it? Pay a bill over the phone, get charged, you know, whatever. But there is there's a, a much more insidious effect of the type of technology, the digital revolution, which we are all part and parcel of, irrespective of whether we want to be or not. Because, see... I know you may find this hard to believe, all you curmudgeons out there, troglodytes. The fact is that human beings are social animals. That's how we evolved. That's what gave us our primacy over the animal kingdom. That we worked together as groups in order to survive. We discovered that human cooperation was the key to survival. So, the introduction of digital technologies is exceptionally fascinating because what it has done it has removed that human interaction which is necessary for communities to survive. Now, you can live in a mega metropolis and not talk to anybody for days, except to say, excuse me, as you bump into them on the streets. Because there is no need for human interaction anymore. Digital platforms allow us to interact on another plane. And I think all those people who used Zoom during COVID-19 would remember how unpleasant or ineffective it was. And that's the great thing about technology is although we have this technological marvels at our fingertips, the way it's been manipulated by the private investment of private sector, sector, you like that? Private sector, private tautology there. 
the way it's been manipulated has heralded a new era, and that is the removal of human interaction in so many aspects of life. I think COVID-19 and the isolation during that period highlighted to many people the importance of human interaction. But technological innovation has removed that need to interact with your neighbour. It's removed that need to discuss anything. It's removed that water cooler moment where you're able to interact and discuss at work the, if you're in a white collar job, the issues of the day. It has fragmented society in a way that we can be cocooned from everything apart from our particular little tribal group. And I think we see this in terms of the type of political opposition we have, not just in this country, in the rest of the world. The fact is that opposition to authority authority and authoritarian methods has dissipated. You would think the more knowledge you have, I remember the old slogan, knowledge is power. The fact is knowledge isn't power. Knowledge isn't power. We know everything about what's happening in Gaza. The fact that white phosphorus bombs are being used, that four to five hundred ray, you know, bombardments occur every day. We know that 2.2 million people from a population, 2.3 million people have been displaced. We know that over, we think, about 50% of all structures in the Gaza Strip have now been destroyed. But does that give us power to change anything? Obviously it doesn't give us power to change anything. Knowledge without action is useless. All it does is breed cynicism. And cynicism breeds powerlessness. And the technological innovations we are surrounded with, as far as our everyday life is concerned, are fracturing that common humanity that we all need in order to survive and in order to cooperate in order to ensure we continue to survive in the most, as I say, survive in a very positive way. Not survive behind walls or survive, you know, in, in, you know, in, in, in ga- gated communities because we're concerned about the outside world. Let's move on. Now, I've been very concerned over the last 18 months since the election of the Albanese government. Not because of the Albanese government's policies, they're neither here or there. But I have been concerned about how the opposition, and when I talk about the opposition, I'm not just talking about a Liberal National Party. I'm talking about a wider opposition, 
the corporate-owned media, sections of the government guild at ABC. The social media, social media. I've been concerned about the debate and the voice referendum highlighted this to me, but obviously it was obvious before that. How the rifts in Australian society are widening. But more importantly, we are seeing an exceptionally exceptionally powerful movement of powerful people who are concerned about these widening rifts in Australian society. Not concerned about the rifts themselves, but concerned about the long-term implications have these rifts in Australian society continue to widen. Because ultimately, what happened in Gaza, the occupied Palestinian territory, was a consequence of the inability of Palestinians to negotiate an end to their suffering. And that's what that explosion of violence was all about. And as the rifts in Australian society have been widened for short-term political gain, and Mr Dutton is an expert at that, and the corporate-owned media are experts at that, what we are seeing is Australians beginning to turn on each other. And that's the whole point. If we think that the problems we face are due to the other, that's right, the other, the other, the person with a different skin colour, the person with a different religious or no religious belief, the person of a different gender, the person of a different sexual orientation, the person who lives in a different place, the person who has a different cultural background or speaks a different language. We will never, 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 as a people, confront or even understand the reasons we find ourselves in this situation. I'll give you a very simple example. Simple example. Even an idiot like me can understand this simple example. Now, there was a report came out, I think yesterday, which said that there is a widening rift between private and public education. Now, anybody with one synapsing neuron would have known that. But the key is widening. So why is the federal government giving more money to private schools and in the majority of cases, not all cases, they don't need those resources, while starving the public education sector of funds and increasing the rifts 
which occur in Australian society. And that's what it's about, ultimately. It's about opportunity. So why is, why is it happening, as Professor Julius Sumner Miller used to say? Why is it happening? Now, most people say, oh, well, shrug their shoulders, say, oh, well, that's the way it is. That's the way it's always been. That's the way it'll always be, all right? That's most people's response. Or most people say, oh, well, that's it. Not much we can do about it. And it's very simple. Australian society is not an egalitarian community. Far from it. The taxation base is centred on pay-as-you-earn taxpayers. That's right. Pay-as-you-earn taxpayers who still make up about 65% of the taxation base. The rich and powerful, the monopolies, duopolies in this society, in many cases pay voluntary taxation and in some cases pay no taxation. Not because they're crooked people, although some people would say that, but because we have governments which are so fearful of the power which is wielded by the corporate sector in terms of fashioning people's opinions about particular issues that they will never support legislation which changes the taxation base to ensure those who earn the most pay the most. You don't see that legislation enter Parliament, not because many of the politicians wouldn't want it to enter Parliament, because they're concerned they're not going to be re-elected at the next election because of the corporate-owned media and the corporate world will be coming together because there is one thing which helps to solidify the action of the corporate world, and that is any attack on their profits. Because, you see, most corporations are not privately owned. They're on the stock market. And, it's, and, and a private investment of a private philosophy is very simple. It's about increasing profits irrespective of the human, social, environmental costs. That's what it's all about, Okay. That's what it's all about. And obviously we're all incorporated in this little game, because it is a game. If we're on Social Security benefits and one third of Australians are on Social Security benefits, it's not our, in our interest to rock the boat because we're concerned about what's going to happen to us and our minimal Social Security benefits. If we're in paid employment, as we saw of the recent report on the Victorian Public Service, you know... You just keep your head down, you do your work, because if you rock the boat, there are horrible consequences, like you'll never be employed in the public service or the private sector, and you may have to be forced into go into some type of failing small business. So it's all inter interrelated. Our hospital system is under pressure because of a lack of taxation revenue. And obviously, if you make enough money, you can get private insurance. But the thing about private insurance is it's basically cherry-picking insurance. You know, they look after people who are half sick, occasionally fully sick, do elective operations. All the hard stuff goes to the public sector, goes to the public hospital. It's the same with public education. It's all very well to compare the results of a private school in comparison to a public school. But the fact is... 
public schools take on everybody, irrespective of the hurdles they face. Everybody. That's why it's a public thing. So instead of getting more money, they get less. It's the same with privatisation, which I've talked about, you know, incessantly on this program over the last 40 years or 50 years, almost 50 years. The fact is privatisation is giving away public facilities, which in some cases make profit, to the private sector for nothing. Then I hear us, all the superannuants out there, and everybody gets superannuation now saying, oh, oh, it's going to affect my retirement. It's going to affect my superannuation. Oh, I'm waiting to retire. What a bloody life. That you wait till you're to 67 and then you fund your own retirement. And if you've had shit jobs or had kids or been sick during that period, in the last 50 years before you retire and get the nursing homes to fleece you of what's left in your retirement fund, you know, and that, that's, what you, that's what you're working for. That's, what's, that's what it's all about. Extraordinary. It's been reduced to that. That's life. Extraordinary. So the rifts are widening. They are being widened for short-term political gain. And the corporate sector would like to see the Liberal National Party back in power. Even a slight indentation in their profitability causes them consternation and grief. So we increase interest rates and, you know, ordinary people suffer for their excesses. And it goes on and on. Well, as you know, I keep saying on this program, you can listen to me to the cows come home. But if you don't do something about it, nothing changes. Nothing changes. Even if you put your head above the parapet, and you get hit in the head, even if that occurs, the fact is, the fact that you've put your head above the parapet means that you have done something to change this nightmare we live in. You know? It can be summed up in three words. Eat, shit, and die very quietly. Don't make a fuss. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. And if you are interested in, um, you know, following this up, I encourage you to go to the Public Interest Before Corporate Interest website, pipci.net. You can join online. Very simple. It's about time the interests of the many were put before the interests of the few, and that's why Public Interest Before Corporate Interest was established. The more members we have the greater our ability to organise actions in order to highlight the real, not the manufactured, the real reasons the rifts in Australian society continue to widen. Let's move on. COP28. Nice story, isn't it? Look, to me, a climate emergency is a little bit like You've got elements in society, and they're quite powerful elements, that are quite happy to sell their children the last tickets on the last train to hell. Quite happy to do that. And I think that's what COP28 demonstrates. 
I'll give you an example, just a simple example. Some misguided, all right, misguided Extinction Rebellion people. Uh, here, I'm being a bit facetious here, just in case you complain. Misguided. Sit down at the corner of uh, Flinders and Swanson Street, disrupting the traffic. 70, that's in Melbourne, 74 arrested. A week earlier, a group of, what, 30 or so people dressed in black with balaclavas for big banners saying, Australia for the white man, were chaperoned about through the streets of Ballarat by the Ballarat police. Not that I blame the Ballarat police. Obviously, they've had instructions. Higher echelons, it looks like the uh, neo-fascist toy boys. They are a protected species in Victoria while Extinction Rebellion is seen as some type of uh, problem. Because it is a problem. Because the ideas which are espoused by Extinction Rebellion and people like us are a problem. Because what we're saying is we're drowning in our own shit. I know it's a bit, how shall I put it, a little bit vulgar. But we are drowning in our own shit. That's what this is about. It's about drowning in our own shit. Because we, the human species, has created this situation. And we've created this situation initially because of the different ways we produce things. And we've been involved on this huge race to the bottom in terms of livability, in order to maximise profits. Not profits which, you know, trickle down to you, but profits which mainly stay in the hands of major shareholders, of publicly listed companies. Why do you think we've got so many billionaires today? Why do you think the rifts in Australian society are widening? Why do you think the public sector has never been under so much pressure? And the fact is that we're quite happy to soil our own nest, live in shit, as long as profits are maximised. And COP28 is that struggle, you know, between those people who see that fossil fuels are a necessity for their economy and those that somehow think that having a centralised, not decentralised, centralised renewable energy sector, which again is owned by the corporate sector, you see how many of them are diversing themselves currently, is going to be the solution to the existential threat we all face, irrespective of how much we earn and where we live. Obviously, those people living on low-lying land will face bigger problems. So once again, we are seeing many of the delegates selling their children 
the last tickets on the last train to hell because it's profitable. You listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. Now, it's all very well to be critical. It's very easy to be critical. You know that and I know that. But, you know, how about a few solutions, Dr Toscano? How about a few solutions? All right. Simple solutions. You could introduce them tomorrow for a vote of parliament. You don't need a revolution, all right? You don't need blood in the streets. You don't need bombings all over the place, all right? You don't need the Australian Armed Forces shooting down protesters. It does. It's simple. We could solve most of the economic woes the public faces in 2023 and then 2024 by introducing a 1% transaction tax. On every transaction in this country, let's say over $10,000, you'd have enough money to fund a universal basic income. Which means everybody is able to survive comfortably, maybe not very comfortably, but comfortably, because they are sharing in the bounty which is produced by this earth. Now, if there is one country, one country in the world that should have a universal basic income, that has the resources for a universal basic income, that has the resources for a well-funded public education system and public health system and public roads, public infrastructure, it's Australia. 26 million living on a continent which is resource-rich. But what we do, we give it over to the private sector. That's right. We give it over to the private sector. That's the way it seems to be in 2023. So don't tell me that we can't afford it. We can afford it. And we can afford it tomorrow. And all it needs is legislation through Parliament. But before that happens... You need a social movement out there, a political, social, cultural movement that promotes these ideas, that doesn't promote ideas which divide us, but promotes ideas which identify who the real enemies are and which force us to cooperate. That's what it's about. As I said before, anarchism, without rulers. What gives rulers the ability to determine the fate of billions of people, inequalities of power and wealth. So what's the anarchist struggle? The struggle to devolve or share power and the struggle to hold wealth in common and use it for the common good. If you think you have security by accumulating wealth, think again. Think again. It doesn't work that way. It's cooperation, not competition, which provides security. It's about building a third tier to the Australian economy based on cooperatives and collectives, not just public institutions which no longer exist or privately owned institutions. Again, it's a different way of thinking. Now, human beings, since we evolved, you know, from the, you know, from the uh, plains in Africa and left Africa, about 1,500 of us, Cro-Magnons to destroy the world, well... We've learnt a lot of things and we haven't learnt a lot of things. And the thing is that unless we go back 
to those original concepts, and I'm talking about going back to hunter-gathering society, but those original concepts that it was cooperation and mutual aid that ensured our survival and prosperity, nothing will change. Now, I have been interested lately in the Labor federal government's new immigration policy. Now, last year we had about 500,000, or this year about 500,000 immigrants coming to the country. Now, high levels of immigration are to a significant degree legacy of the Howard government. Now, while the Howard government talked about protecting our borders and won a few elections by playing hardball with you know, a few thousand people who are trying to find refuge in this country, the fact is they maximised immigration into Australia. And they maximised immigration for two reasons. One, to continue to expand the economy. Because expanding the economy means increased profits. And that's part of their legacy. And secondly, it was to have a source of cheap, non-unionised labour which could be used to keep a lid on wages and destroy the trade union movement. That was their reason for a large immigration the two reasons, and obviously we never think of the Howard government, Howard-led government, Liberal National Party, and immigration, because you'd think they'd be a low-immigration party. They weren't. Immigration at that stage was over 250,000 a year. Because, you see, the Australian economy is built on... It's a Ponzi scheme. The more people you come in, the more jobs you create. Now, COVID-19 caused a hiccup in these policies because migration almost stopped and all these temporary workers almost stopped because before COVID-19, one in seven Australian workers were on a temporary work visa and 99% were non-unionised. Many, over half, were paid cash in hand and that's why we saw all these you know, little businesses thrive. COVID-19 put a stop to that. Now, post-COVID-19, we have seen a rise in immigration, a doubling. And again, it's not the type of immigration that is... It's a type of immigration which is based on stimulating the Australian economy, whether it's overseas students who are basically, in the majority of cases, fleeced for a pathetic education... And they're sold the idea that if they come to this country, they'll be able eventually to leapfrog to Australian citizenship. I mean, that's the way it works, or it used to work. So it's good to see that the Albanese-led Labor government is beginning to close those loopholes because it'll have positive effects as far as the power that Australian workers are able to exercise in terms of improving the situation they find themselves in. But at the same time, 
I was fascinated to learn that of the 500,000 migrants that came to this country, only 20,000 were asylum seekers or refugees. That's less than 4%. And I've said before on this program, if you want good migrants, you want people to settle in, there is nothing better than an asylum seeker or a refugee because they are seeking. They didn't come here to make a buck. They came here seeking a new life. While most migrants who come here, and again, you know, my parents were part of that wave in the late 40s, they came here for financial stability. They could have stayed where they were, but they came here for financial stability, and that's what most migration is about. It's about financial stability. But asylum seekers and refugees make good citizens because they can't go back and they come here to create a new life. So what do we do? We make life as difficult for them as possible. And on top of that, we use them as a political football in order to increase fear in the Australian community about being swamped by all these people from overseas. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And nothing was more pathetic than the fake debate around the 150 asylum seekers who were released. I mean, 150 people on indefinite detention who were about to be deported who were released by the High Court who found, you know, and I found this quite extraordinary that you can't detain people indefinitely in this country. I think we should be able to, yeah, put them all in prison camps and it'll be all right. That's what they did in Central Australia in the uh, about 20 years ago. This is the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. Now, I am concerned. Look, I'm an old bloke. I'm on the end, you know. Sooner or later, I'll, there won't be any more Anarchist World This Week, at least presented by me. Obviously, somebody else will do it because there are many people with similar ideas around the country. But what will happen is I'll disappear from the face of the planet and it doesn't really matter, you know, because I'm on the last leg, as they say, of life. But I'm very concerned about successive Australian governments hitching their wagon to the United States of America as their primary ally. Here we are, a so-called Western parliamentary democracy in an Asian sea. And we've hitched our wagon to the most unreliable ally on the planet, the US of A. I'll give you a few... I'll explain why. Now, the US of A only entered World War I in the dying years. The US of A only entered World War II when they were bombed. Pearl Harbor was bombed by the Japanese. Hmm? And obviously there are issues regarding that. The US of A deserted the people of South Vietnam when push came to shove. The US of A, just recently, less than two years ago, deserted the people of Afghanistan when it suited them. And as we see thousands of Ukrainians dying in the war against Russia, 
we see the USA, which is all the way with the Ukrainian government, now beginning to lose interest. Because the great thing about United States foreign policy, it's all about the US of A. Think about Islamic State. And those Kurdish groups which fought Islamic State to a standstill and how they were deserted by the US of A about five years ago because it suited them to desert them at that particular point in time. They are not a very reliable ally. We don't live on the east or west coast of the United States of America. This isn't Hawaii. We live in a different part of the world. And for us to put all our eggs in the USA basket is a mistake. Think about it. Independent foreign policy. God, that sounds radical. To me, it's logical, but sometimes logic and reality are two different things. You listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the community radio network. This program has been streaming live on 3cr.org.au, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. That's 3cr.org.au. My name is Joseph Toscano. I've been hosting today's program. Websites, anarchismedia.org, public interest before corporate interest. You can... uh, Join them anytime you like. I'm actually the registered officer, you like it, of public interest before corporate interest. Join now. It doesn't cost a cent. What else? YouTube channels, public interest before corporate interest. There are about 300 presentations you can look at, different issues. YouTube channel, josephtoscano.nam. Facebook page, Joseph Toscano. Facebook page, Defend and Extend Public Housing. Public housing, everybody's business. I could go on and on and on about social media, but I'm not. You can always leave messages on 0439 395 489, 0439 395 489. And if you want to, irrespective of Australia Post, we still respond to letters. You can send them to Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. And I've got a producer at the other side of the screen who thinks she's in the Mercado. She's got a little fan and she's fanning herself because it's hot here in the studio. Thank you once again for listening to The Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. And don't forget, although it's Chrissy time, it's end of year time, the fact is that The Anarchist World this week will be broadcasting right through the holiday period. We don't take holidays things don't change i may do a few pre-records but we are still broadcasting listening to the anarchist world this week next week and get ready for the 2023 wrap-up on the last wednesday of the week evil minds that plot destruction An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World This Week, Australia's Sacred Cow Slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning 
wash my hands. Oh, Lord, CCR is Radical Radio, and that means more than just alternative current affairs and political coverage. We're Radical because we're an independent media outlet, owned and operated by the community. We're Radical because we give communities the control of their own shows, with their own music, in their own languages. We're Radical because we provide a media platform for communities to build their own power to create social change. Become a subscriber and support Radical Radio. Call us on 03 9419 8377 or subscribe online at 3cr.org.au forward subscribe. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.